This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Energy is electromagnetic in nature, and nothing happens in the body without an electromagnetic exchange between cells. We are all familiar with the electrocardiogram, EKG, and electroencephalograph, EEG, tests, which measure the electromagnetic activity of the heart and brain, respectively. When the electromagnetic activity ceases, life ceases. Electromagnetic energy controls our chemistry. Disruption of this energy in cells causes impaired cell metabolism. And if our cells are not healthy, our body is not healthy, in whole or in part. A changing magnetic field, such as a magnetic field moving through a coil, generates an electric field, which would drive a current in the coil. This forms the basis for many electrical generators and motors. Similar to the way that a changing magnetic field generates an electric field, a changing electric field generates a magnetic field. Since the magnetic field is being generated by an electric current, it's called an electromagnetic field, a physical field produced by moving electrical charges. PEMF stands for Pulsed Electromagnetic Field. Magnetic fields affect the behavior of any other charged objects in the vicinity of the field. This is the fundamental basis for their therapeutic use. Our bodies are electric. Every heartbeat generates electromagnetic waves throughout the blood vessels of the body, stimulating tissues at a cellular level. External magnetic fields and the normal electric and electromagnetic fields produced by the body interact. So, a magnetic field passing through our whole body will have an electromagnetic effect on each of our 70 trillion cells. As a result, magnetic fields act in a basic and fundamental ways on molecules and tissues. They affect the most basic functions of all cells, human, animal, and plant included. Valeria interviews Dr. William Pollock to discuss the many ways in which PEMFs can enhance our health and well-being. William Pollock, MD, MSc, is a holistic doctor near Baltimore, Maryland. Previous academic positions at John Hopkins and University of Maryland. Training, acupuncture, nutrition, herbals, energy medicine, homeopathy, hypnosis, bodywork, and multiple other therapies. Considered the foremost authority on the use of pulsed electromagnetic field therapy in North America. Interested especially in holistic pain management, regenerative health, stem cell stimulation, anti-aging, sleep, and anxiety. Host of the Pain Solution Summit, painsolutionsummit.com. His main emphasis is using PEMFs as a new solution for stubborn, chronic, and frustrating health problems. 
He strives to try to resolve the cause of the problem and not to simply put a band-aid on it. Most conventional treatments for pain rely on numbing and dumbing that simply make the perception of pain better but don't heal the cause. When on the Dr. Oz show, they both agreed that pain management should be focused on healing the cause. After 25 years of seeing the risks and side effects of traditional health solutions and approaches, and after studying various healing approaches, he discovered that PEMFs provide the most benefit and allowed safe, non-toxic, self-directed, self-controlled, at-home pain management. In his professional journey, Dr. Pollock has worked with magnetic field therapies for 30 years and established an authoritative website, drpollock.com. He has authored a comprehensive book on healing with magnetic fields called Power Tools for Health. This book describes what magnetic fields are, over 25 actions of magnetic fields in the body, how they work for over 50 health conditions, not just pain, how to get the right PEMF device, and how to use it. Here is the interview with Dr. William Pollock. In your own words, who is Dr. William Pollock? I'm a um, holistic physician. I've been practicing medicine for about 50 years, and I have been working with magnetic field therapies for about 30 years. Um, so I'm very open-minded. I have training in homeopathy and acupuncture, hypnosis and spirituality and energy medicine, color therapy, sound therapy, basically a lot of different aspects of thinking outside the usual box and trying to help people to achieve optimal health for themselves. But my primary paradigm that I work out of is the, uh, I guess, the thoughts, thought process of a doctor, of a medical doctor. Um, I got involved with uh, my topic, which is uh, magnetic field therapy, uh, as a doctor because of a failure of uh, being able to uh, safely provide people uh, help with their pain, to help them deal with their pain. I almost had uh, two patients die uh, on on me and or my medical group when I was uh, working in the hospital. And I asked myself, I said, this is, is this good medicine? I said, no, this is the definition of insanity. Right, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting to get better results. So I decided to, to get training outside medicine. That was, I, I did not see the possibility or the opportunity for medicine at the time, which was back in the mid-1980s, to be able to solve these, these, these problems, to, to adequately treat pain without using drugs or surgery. And so I started studying acupuncture. And when I started doing acupuncture, I discovered that um, people in 1990 didn't know acupuncture. Mm. And they didn't want needles. They said, what is this strange stuff called acupuncture? So then I discovered that they were using magnets on, um, for pain in the eastern, um, wor- the eastern part of the world in Asia and started working with magnets. And then the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, I have lots of questions here for the um, post electromagnetic field therapy, PEMF. But before we talk about it, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned off record. The first question is about healing. What is another word for healing? Well, I could say there's no such thing as healing. 
because we we are what we are we are what we've chosen to be and because we are spiritual beings having a physical journey um we're perfect already but we like going to college or like going to get any training in anything we put ourselves through that process of training spending the money spending the time going through the frustrations associated with it and so on to learn Okay, so humans don't learn well by not struggling. That's the nature of duality. Right, so, so what is healing? Healing is realizing that we're perfect already, ultimately. But, you know, it takes a long time for most people, if they ever get to a point of that realization, because we have a lot of confusing messages in the world. If you happen to be part of a religion, you're going to be getting their messages. If you're part of Buddhism, you're going to be getting their messages. If you're part of, uh, of atheism, you're going to be getting their messages, right, et cetera. So everybody's got a message, and depending on uh, who you listen to, you're going to be guided in that direction in, in the way you think. So uh, healing is a long-term process. Eventually, we, every one of us, we were born alone, basically. We came into the world as one little body. And uh, we, even though you might uh, um, suffer in a tornado where 10 people can die all at once, you're still dying individually. You're transitioning to so your spiritual self, uh, leaving behind a physical body um, individually. And your process, your journey, your spiritual journey is an individual journey, which can be shared, but it is your journey. Healing has a lot to do with listening to our internal voice, the inner voice, right? Is that similar to the meaning of freedom? That's how you define freedom? Kind of knowing that you're already healed? Well, the result is freedom. Hmm. So freedom, uh, probably freedom doesn't come first. I mean, if, you, if you were free already, then there wouldn't be an issue. Then there's no need for healing. But because we're bound in a body, we're bound in a dualistic world. We're bound in a physical world. And because our minds, our consciousness is so tied to a body, most of us have an extremely hard time uh, being able to disassociate our consciousness from our physical body. In other words, we, we, our consciousness thinks we are our body. And it's rather having a body. Well, you could argue, do we have a body? So if you talk about it from a quantum physics perspective, we're mo mostly air anyway. Yeah. Well, it's better than believing that we are the body, I guess. <laughs> well, there you go. That, so that's the starting place is to be able right. to accept the possibility that we might be something more than just a body or as I call it, worm food. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? Do you have a vision for a new reality? Well, unfortunately, when we talk about freedom and we talk about perfection and we talk about the spiritual path, it's an individual path. So, uh, yes, we have a, a huge way to go as far as the planet's concerned. Now, the planet has its own consciousness and we're a flea on the surface of the of the planet. So to us, you know, we should obviously take care of what we are part of in both both in terms of receiving and giving. But 
um, ultimately, the biggest need of the planet is that people, we, each one of us individually has to grow into our own spirituality and not be listening to other people. Listen to other people, but don't necessarily do what they tell you to, 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 that they believe should you, you should do. So if there is, yeah, if there's one thing, it's basically, I think, is that. And you could talk about goodness. You could talk about um, altruism. You could talk about faith. You could talk about all these other factors. But it still ultimately boils down to that one individual choice that we individually have to make. And nobody else can make it for us. This is where free will comes in. That makes me think about parents, how challenging that might be to just let the children choose their own path and uh, guide them into certain beliefs and ideas about life. Are you a parent? I'm a parent and a grandparent. How did you teach them to be free, to be themselves, and to think for themselves? It's almost a passive process. Because I, I learned a long time ago as a physician, you can tell in the nursery what that child is going to be like, what that person is going to be like, before they even leave the nursery. So what we're doing most of the time is protecting our children until they can get to be mature enough to make their own decisions and realize the, the results of their decisions. In other words, they can't blame somebody else. You have to pick up, you have to pick responsibility yourself. You have to just make a, your own decision. You have to live with your decision. Um, and so will they learn that? You can't necessarily teach people that. Sometimes you have to just let them make mistakes and they can observe you. So if they look at you and you look at the way you make decisions, look at the way you live, look at the way you talk about other people and the, the struggles that you might have in your life, the problems you're trying to solve. So you're basically modeling and ultimately modeling is much more powerful than talking to people. What is love to you? Well, I guess to me, uh, love is a sense of oneness, that, that, there's, that there's nothing else. So love has many nuances associated with it. That has to do with acceptance and tolerance and uh, respect and uh, understanding life, uh, honesty, justice, kindness. That, those are all aspects of love. But ultimately, love is unity. It's complete unity with, with uh, the universe, essentially the creator. So if you want to call the creator God, that's fine. If you want to call her goddess or it, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to God. <laughs> Do you ever use the word God in conversations? Sure. Sure. Because some people don't understand anything different. Yeah. The words associated with so many ideas, uh, religious concepts, right? What is your understanding and idea of peace? Um, peace is, um, well, another way of thinking about peace is a word I use called equanimity. What do you think is the purpose of life, the human experience? Well, unity, uh, ultimately the purpose of life is to reunite ourselves with, with our creator. In other words, to go back to heaven, if you want to call it heaven, so that there is nothing else. Uh, that's, that's the goal of our, of the human journey. Is to, is to remember that we are separated from God, from the creative force. And we chose to, we chose to take on this separation. And the sooner we um, 
come to grips with that, that we made we made a choice, and that we also have the choice to go back. So the purpose of life basically is to reunite with our with oneness. And that would create a kind of reality that makes a lot of sense to me. This is the end of section one. So let's talk about your work. What is a holistic doctor? I know a lot of people don't know this term well. Well, there are a lot of terms that are used to more or less describe the same thing. And there are subtleties to each of those words. So one word is holistic doctor. Uh, and I'll describe them in a second. One word is um, alternative medicine doctor. Another is integrative medicine doctor. Now you could say shaman. Uh, you could say healer. But in modern terms, in order for me to be a licensed physician, I have to follow society's rules about what society considers a doctor to be. In other words, I, I don't have a license to be a hairdresser. Right? And I don't have a license to be a massage therapist. In fact, doctors get into trouble when they try to do massage because they're not licensed to do that. So there, there are societal uh, requirements for those labels. But basically, a holistic doctor is somebody who tends to think more in terms of the whole person. And so essentially what you're doing is you're thinking about the person in terms of uh, mind, body, and spirit. And you are putting them into a context. They have a family. They have work relationships. They have, they're creative beings and so on. So that's more what I would consider to be holistic. An alternative medicine doctor is somebody who is going to provide you with alternatives to what other, let's say, doctors are going to provide you. In, this, in my case, it would be other medical doctors. Um, and then integrative medicine essentially combines the, uh, those other two, which means that you integrate and you use both whole conventional medical approaches as well as alternative approaches to helping people. And again, I think the more integrative word is holistic. Uh, you mentioned earlier, too, about all the uh, alternative medicine modalities, acupuncture, nutrition, energy medicine, hypnosis, and all, many others. Do you also have personal experience with these healing modalities? Yes. Um, so what I do is I basically work with the person in front of me. And I don't put out a shingle saying I do sound therapy. Yeah. I don't put out a shingle saying I do acupuncture. So basically people know that I'm an MD and that I describe myself as a holistic person. They come to me with their problem. And when somebody comes to, their, with, to me with a problem they want to solve or some support or consultative um, recommendations, I take them where they are. The discussion that we just had earlier about becoming one with God is a discussion I rarely have with patients because they don't want that. That's not what they come to me for. Now, they'll often get it because that may be what they need to do to be whole or to, to, to have healing happen. But most, but most people are, are not ready for that. Is there a point where some of them you notice that they are open enough so you can have a conversation about spirituality? I don't force it. I don't open right. the discussion, typically. If I hear them 
saying certain phrases or making certain statements, um, then I will uh, open, possibly open that door. In my questionnaire, I ask them about if, if religion is important to them or spirituality is important to them. If they say that it is, then I know that I have that as an opening. But you know, if somebody's coming to me to manage their cholesterol or their blood pressure or their back pain, then I, basically I ask people at the visit, what do you hope to get out of today's visit? And often because I'm an MD, I can prescribe. So you know, if you're not an MD, you can't prescribe medication or you can't order blood tests or you can't order um, x-rays or imaging studies. So people come to me because I have that wider perspective to make a more integrated recommendation for them um, that would get them better answers faster. You are aware that most people are not open, so you can't force, yeah, we cannot try to change people. But this is part of your work, uh, the spiritual work. Well, you know, I just to go back to your question or your point, I frequently, like with cancer patients or people with horrific health issues, um, I will routinely recommend a healer. And when I recommend a healer, the person's response to that recommendation determines what happens next. So if like a healer, like, oh, forget about that. I, I have a minister who prays over me. I don't need anything else, right? Then the conversation's over, right? But if they say, well, what's a healer? And the, you know that you can explain it to them and say, well, 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 tell me more about that. Then tell me more about that. Then I can make recommendations for where they can get further information, or I would go into a descriptive process about this. And some people are very open to it. Then I give them some um, some examples of patients who've gone through a healing process and been extraordinarily successful. But a lot of people who go through a healing process and see a healer don't have results. Right. What is the difference between spirituality and religion? Do you clearly see one? Um, well, a simplistic way of thinking about it is that religion is basically an organized belief system. Yeah. That is that is kind of locked in. It's it's immutable. It doesn't change. Yeah. Right. Right. This is the belief system. You you have joined this religion. You have to accept this belief system. Yeah. And people have obviously, over history, in, in history, they've been burned at the stake because they didn't accept the dominant religious beliefs at the time. Right. So are, are religious beliefs spiritual beliefs? Yes. But in my mind, spiritual beliefs are not going to kill somebody for that mm -hmm. belief. Right. right? They'll say, oh, here's what I believe. And they say, this is what I believe. And they say, well, let's have a, if you want to have a discussion, let's right. have a discussion. If not, that's fine. Mm, yeah, I love the way... Yeah, you explain that. It's very simple, right? It's more open, spirituality. Well, a spirituality is a single journey. It's a journey of one. It's your own individual journey. There is no right. There's no wrong. Uh, there's no better. There's no worse. Uh, it's an individual journey. And all spiritual journeys, it, by virtue of the journey itself, uh, require you to go through um, testing to test your beliefs and, and then readjust your beliefs based on what you learn and, and how you've grown. As long as we're here physically, we're going to keep learning. So what is 
PEMF therapy. How does it work? And I'm also I'd like to know how it was discovered. One way to think of this, to give you a context, is that most medicine, for example, tends to deal with things at a, at a tissue level. So at a tissue level, you're massaging muscle. You're moving joints. You're tensing and relaxing, again, muscles. You're doing surgery. You're doing radiation to the tissue. So you're working basically with what I call the bulk tissue. What makes up tissue? Molecules, chemistry. Okay, we understand the tissue is made of chemistry. It's glucose and sodium and potassium and uh, muscle, muscle, the chemistry of muscles, the chemistry of blood cells, the chemistry of, of you know, basically anything that works in the body, nerves and so on. That's again at the tissue level, but it's the chemistry that makes the tissue. We don't see the chemistry, but we see the tissue. But if you have a microscope, you might be able to see some of the chemistry. And then if you do blood testing, then you can see the chemistry much more clearly because that's all you're measuring is the chemistry. But what makes chemistry? Physics. The laws of the universe are the laws of physics. We can't see them. We can't touch them. We can't feel them. But they make everything work. You cannot make a sodium, a, a, a salt molecule without the sodium and the chloride agreeing to get together. And that's the physics. The physics allows that interaction to happen. So you can't take a sodium and a magnesium and make them a molecule because the physics won't allow it. The electromagnetic spectrum won't allow it. So then you could, so basically in, in healthcare and healing, you can work at all those levels. And then the, the next level, as I call quantum physics, and for argument's sake, we could say spirituality. So spirit is the, is the, is the highest level, uh, which is probably not true either. But let's, say, let's, for argument's sake, say it's spirit. So spirit is love. And what does love do? Love works through the physics to change processes in the body by creating a condition, a state. So physics is heat. Physics is cold. Physics is light. So those are aspects of physics, and within each of those areas, cold, heat, light, certain chemical processes can happen. If it's really, if it's really, 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 really cold, it's absolute zero. Almost nothing is happening from a chemistry perspective. Right? Our bodies are 98.6 degrees, 37 degrees Celsius. Why? The reason it's that way is because that facilitates the biochemical processes better. The physics doesn't really care about the temperature. Temperature is just temperature. Physics doesn't say that one temperature is better than another. But our bodies have de developed and grown on this planet to be able to function within a certain physical range, heat, cold, energy, and so on. So spirituality would be things like, again, going back to, to love, to, to attitude, to beliefs, to judgment, all these knowledge, memory, learning, all of that is at, basically, I would say, at the um, spiritual level. Now, it cascades down into the physics, it cascades down into the chemistry, and it certainly cascades down to the physics, to the physical level, the tissue level. 
So PEMFs basically work in terms of healing at the physics level. They affect everything below it. They affect the chemistry below it. They affect other physical processes in the body that relate to physics, uh, other aspects of physics. Then they change the, the environment that the, that the chemistry operates in, which then changes the body, the physical body. So, so what is healing? Healing is like beauty. It's in the eyes of the beholder. So as I mentioned, the ultimate healing is going to be to reunite with, with God, to be one again with God. Right? And you can accept physical healing as the fact that you have a, an arm that's black and blue and has gangrene and is hurting and has an infection in it. So is healing doing an amputation of that arm? And we can't judge that. We can't say that amputating the arm is not healing. Right. That is a solution for that moment, for that, for that issue. Now, if you had a very, very evolved person, they would never have gotten there anyway. So healing happens at different levels. And it's basically what I call an iterative process. You make one decision, and that changes things somewhat. Then you make the next decision, and it changes things again. You make right. the next decision. It's like peeling an onion. It has a constant discovery, right? Constant discovery. That is interesting. So talk to me about magnetic science. So the universe is electromagnetic. And that means electrical and magnetic go hand in hand. It's the second force of the universe. You cannot separate electrical from magnetic. They're hand and glove. They're like the yin and the yang, right? Symbol. You can't separate them. You can look at one versus the other temporarily and do things that you would manipulate the universe based on one aspect like yin te techniques for treatment or yang techniques for treatment, but ultimately there has to be a balance. So magnetic is the magnetic part of electromagnetic. So wherever you have charge, electrical charge, let's say for simplicity, let's say electrical charge. Wherever you have electrical charge, you have a magnetic field. Electrical charges are blocked or bound or moved or shaped by physics, by the environment around them. But a magnetic field goes through everything. Nothing stops the magnetic field. So you can create a magnet like you have on a fridge or a magnetic necklace. You could create that by taking another magnetized piece of material and putting it against material that it will allow itself to be magnetized. And then you create a magnet. Then that piece of metal or whatever it's going to be, let's say, let's say for practical purposes it's metal, now has a magnetic field. Now you could take that magnet and put it on the body and it will create effects, magnetic effects on the body. Have nothing to do with the metal. It's the magnetic, the magnetism now in that metal that, that actually does the work. Is that the same as energy? Would you call it energy too? A different kind of energy? Well, electrical charge, it really is energy. 
magnetic is not energy. So electrical is more like the yang. And magnetic is the yin. So in other words, it's passive. It doesn't do anything. So in a way, I mean, it has been said, I'm always open to understand more and to learn that everything is energy. Um, well, yeah, it really depends on how you define energy. Uh, love certainly is energy. Yeah, everything's alive. Everything's vibrating. Because ev anything that exists has an electromagnetic aspect to it. Mm. Everything. Mm, but some are more passive than others. But some are more passive than others. So yeah, the magnetic field it's passive. But you can make it. You can make it active though. So how do you make it active? Let's use the wind as an example. How do you know that there's a wind present? So if there's no breeze, if there's no wind, does that mean that there is no wind? Because what is wind after all? It's the movement of air, right? Because there's no movement doesn't mean that there's no air, right? But now you move the air. So you may not be able to tell that there's air there and that it's in motion until you look at a tree and you see the leaves jiggling. Especially if you're at a house and the trees are outside. The only way for you to know that there's wind is to look at the tree to see that, in fact, there's, there's movement. So then you could have a breeze, you could have a gentle breeze, or you could have a hurricane or a tornado. So a magnetic field then basically becomes uh, in a motion or what we call time-varied magnetic field. And that's dynamic because it's now pulsing. It's now moving in and out. And as it moves in and out of the body, as it pulses in and out, it activates charge in the body. So all the ions, all the electrolytes in the tissues and so on, all of those co uh, charged components of the, of the tissue now become pushed around by the magnetic field. And that pushing around by the magnetic field makes more charge in the body, it increases and amplifies the amount of energy. So now it's not wow. passive energy anymore. Now it's active energy. And then that active energy, the body says, okay, I could use this active energy. Now, what does the wind do to a tree? Mm, moves it. It's the only thing really, right? Creates movement. And what does the movement do? Good question. Uh, makes it look alive. Well, it does. But not only makes it look alive, but it makes it alive. Because when the tree, the limbs are moving in the wind, then what they're doing is exercising. And when they're exercising, what they're doing is they're pulling sap up from the ground. Mm. And they create electrical charge as well. And the electrical charge then uh, charges the, um, the, the leaves themselves. So that wakes the tree up. <laughs> right, that's fascinating. I never thought about wind moving the, the vegetation and the, the trees as doing Anything else other than creating movement, dense? There is. So it's a very dynamic process. And I think that there's almost no days when there's no wind. Yeah. You might have 10 days a year where there's no wind. The rest of the time there's wind. So the planet and life on the planet uses the, mo the motion of yeah. air. And of course, we know that air carries ions and it does other things, yeah. right? Plus oxygen and decreasing humidity levels, changing humidity, 
all, all those other physical factors that go with the, those shifts and those changes. Nature abhors static. Nature abhors things to be absolutely still. You don't use it, you lose it. So true. That's why it's important that we exercise. Yeah, not exercising for humans, not a good idea. Not a good idea. When you exercise, when you move an arm or a muscle, if you, if you, ha if you have your arm straight out and you, you flex your arm and you bring it to your shoulder, um, charge is moving down the fascia, the fascial planes of that arm at the rate of 30 meters per second. That's unbelievable. Incredibly fast. Right. So another, another way of bringing home the point that if you don't use it, you lose it. You have to have motion to create charge, to keep things alive, to keep things blood flowing and lymph flowing and fluid flowing and recharging tissues and energy, bringing new energy into the tissues, just like a tree. I used to be a personal trainer. I still have, um, I'm certified. So I remember when I did the first aid, they have a device called the uh, AED, I think is the name, to revive somebody. Oh, yes, the defibrillator, yes, right. That's, that's purely electrical. Oh, okay, well, that's different. Now, it has a little magnetic component to it, but the primary principle behind it is to electrocute you. All right, that's what it's trying to do. It's, it's, it's electrically charging the heart. It's overcharging the heart. Now, mag magnetic fields are part of any, so let me explain what a PEMF is then. When you have a wire that's conducting current, then you have a magnetic field and you have an electrical field. You have the current flowing in the wire, and let's say that wire is shielded because it's to protect you from getting electrocuted. So the fact that you've shielded it does not keep it from producing a magnetic field. And as, you, as the current flows down the wire, it is continuously, as the current flows, continuously producing a magnetic field. And then that magnetic field, we apply it, that we run wires, we run current through wires into what we call applicators or coils, and we place them on the body. That creates a, a concentrated magnetic field that then is used to go into the body to do healing work in the body by stimulating the body's natural processes to recover and rebalance and heal and so on. So in this case, healing is basically restoring balance, bringing circulation to the problem, decreasing swelling in the tissues. Every injury is associated with swelling, decreased circulation, decreased DNA, decreased ATP. All these other factors go along with maintaining the life of a tissue. But when it's injured, it begins to lose life. It begins to lose vitality because it's out of balance and doesn't have enough energy to bring itself back into balance. Well, PEMFs stimulate that tissue to create more energy. Now, some of the cells of that tissue may have no ability to create energy. They're, like say, they're dead or, or they're almost dead. But you're relying on the cells that are not dead or almost dead to pick up the job. And they wake up. They become more alert. And they begin to shift and change the tissue to begin the healing process. So you reduce the swelling, you reduce the bruising, you reduce the pain, you improve the circulation. All of these wonderful things happen to the extent the body can do it. What kinds of health problems does it treat or heal? Well, there's almost no limit. Yeah. Um, because if it's physical, PEMFs can affect it when it's out of balance. Acupuncture basically is doing 
PMF therapy in a sense, or PMFs are basically doing acupuncture by increasing the flow of energy in the body, the chi in the body. Right. So any tissue, so if a tissue, if you cut yourself, you have a wound, your body knows that it's got to heal that wound. Right. Body knows to do that, right? It, its job is to do that. Its job is to yeah. keep itself an intact body. Yeah. So then the body will take whatever time it needs to heal that wound. Now, if I wake up those cells with a magnetic field, I can increase the healing rate of that cut by half the time it would normally take. In other words, I would double the healing rate. Wow. Uh, the same thing oh. applies to bones. The same thing applies to, um, say, head injuries, TBI. Wow. So any tissue in the body that's not working properly can use the extra energy. And one of the ways that acupuncturists do this is they increase the energy flow in the tissues. But it's a very gentle way of doing that. Yeah. Magnetic field therapy is, is, can be much stronger than, than acupuncture, than just moving a little bit of chi around. On top of that, okay. uh, magnetic fields uh, not only move the acupuncture meridians and points, but they also, also actually work directly at the tissue itself. So acupuncture is very hard to get a, uh, a wound or a cut to heal. Because it doesn't work that way as well. So a magnetic field will actually take that tissue and heal that tissue much faster. And I've seen that happen many, many, many times. So these uh, devices, can we buy them and use on our own? Or do we need a doctor like you? No. So yes, uh, one of my goals as a holistic physician um, is to have you take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. So I tell my patients regularly, I'm not your doctor. <laughs> You're your doctor. Mm -hmm. I'm a consultant to help you to learn how to be your own doctor. Right? So basically, we're just helping the body and people to get better with magnetic therapy. So as much as you can, you should do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, there are devices that are $350, and there are devices that are $26,000. Wow. And on my website, drpollock.com, so that's D-R-P-A-W-L-U-K.com. I have a lot of different devices to solve different problems. Okay. So you know, you're probably not going to solve cancer with a 10-cent solution. Mm -hmm. right? you, you probably don't need a $26,000 solution to, to heal cancer either. Mm -hmm. But you have to find the right equipment for the problems that you're trying to deal with. Yeah. Because you have to provide the energy in the body to do the job. Do you have one specifically for anxiety? Yes. I think at this time we might need that. I guess a lot of people do. The, the, the equipment that I recommend for it is called the Flex Pulse. So that's F-L-E-X and then Pulse, P-U-L-S-E. So Flex Pulse is a small battery-operated portable system. So you could use it for hours at a time. It has six programs in it. One program is, if you know the brainwave levels, Alpha is relaxation, um, delta is deep sleep, theta is light sleep or meditation, beta is alert consciousness. So mm -hmm. this device has four of those programs and those bands, those frequency bands that I described. Mm -hmm. So for anxiety, the primary treatments for anxiety are going to be to use either uh, alpha, which is program one, 10 hertz, or to use program five. Uh, sorry, four, uh, which is going to be theta, very relaxed. 
So I had, I had a patient come into the office who was extraordinarily anxious. She was fidgeting and nervous, and she, could, she had to start walking. She had to pace in the office. She was so agitated and so anxious and nervous. So I put the, the flex pulse, one coil of the flex pulse on the back of her neck using theta, the theta frequency. And you could literally see the elevator going down. So within about five minutes, putting it on the back of her neck, she sat down and she sat, you know, stayed sitting for the rest of the uh, visit. Um, and I asked her at the end of the visit, what was her anxiety level when she first came in? And she said, seven out of 10. Uh, and as I often say to people, I can't imagine her being a 10 out of 10. She was already pretty agitated at seven. So at the end of the session, at the end of um, the treatment, her number dropped down to seven. Uh, to three, right? Just with tuning the brain mm -hmm. with this magnetic therapy. So it's safe. It's not toxic. That was my next question. Yeah, is, does it have any side effects? So... No, fundamentally, no. It can be used in almost any setting and almost any problem. So the only time that you have to be very careful with it yeah. for sure uh, is yeah. if somebody has implanted electronics, like a pacemaker or implanted defibrillator. Yeah, uh, it's safe in seizure disorders. It's safe in cancer. It's safe in pregnancy, although we can't say that it's safe in pregnancy because we don't have absolute proof that it is. But we know many women who use it throughout pregnancy without without any problems. But so the only time that we restrict the use of it is for uh, implanted electronics, um, and also I don't recommend it in people who have had transplants because because they're on immunosuppression. So we don't want to mess with the immune system. Right. It can become a long-term therapy? Lifetime. You use it as long as you need to. And day-to-day, um, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year, uh, we change. We shift. Things, new things come up. You uh, bang your hand uh, in your car door or somebody you know, pours some hot water on you accidentally. Life happens. And when you're a trainer and you work in training, people are being injured all the time. Can we use the PEMFs integrated with other kinds of therapies and even medications? So uh, that's a very important question. You can't build a house without bricks and mortar, right? You, you need the supplies. You need a plan. You need the tools. So magnetic field therapy can, um, will work with what, it, what it's basically given. So in other words, it, the body will be what it is. But yes, if you give the body more better nutrition, if you give the body more magnesium and more calcium and more uh, hydration, uh, the, the body's otherwise tuned in, uh, in general uh, in better ways, then the magnetic therapy is going to make what the body can do work better. So if you're, if you're uh, a, a dying, let's say you're a horse that's dying, and you try to get home by a certain period of time. So what can you do? You can whip the horse. So the horse may get home faster, but what will happen to the horse? Right? If it's almost, if it's all the way to being dead anyway, you're just going to hasten the death. So cells that are really, really, really damaged need a lot of gentle work. And I call that going low and slow. So you work with low levels of energy. You work for short treatment times. You make sure you have the right frequencies, make sure you get the nutrition set up, and then bingo, you, you have healing. So let me tell you another uh, case example. 
at, at a guy who was brought to me by his employer who ha has, was purple from the knees down. In other words, he had gangrene of his legs. And his, the surgeon, he went to a surgeon, and the surgeon says, I think we're going to have to cut off your legs. Um, his boss, he, was, he didn't know anything about me or what I do. His boss brought him to see me. And I, didn't, I was actually nervous to work with him because at how bad he was. It was one of the worst cases I've ever seen. There's almost no circulation seen that I could see. And so we had an agreement that he was going to do all the things I recommended, which included changing his diet, stopping smoking, stopping drinking, get his blood sugar under control, taking his supplements, put him on a whole host of supplements. So he agreed to do all that because he was facing losing his legs. And he was a, 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 an active guy who ran an apartment building. So long story short, three months later, he goes to his surgeon and the surgeon says, oh, I guess we don't have to cut your legs off. Not everybody has that level of success. He was motivated and he did what he was supposed to do. So if you do things half-heartedly, you're not going to get the body in the right shape to get the best results from therapy. But that applies to anything, right? So the answer, another sort of um, way of looking at the, the answer to your question is that, yes, you could use light therapy. Uh, you should be using all kinds of all the lifestyle things that you have available to you to make you as optimized as possible. But you could do hypnosis, you could do sleep therapy, you could do sound therapy, you could do laser therapy, you could do ozone, um, stem cells, all the new sort of the new technologies. All of these can work together with PEMFs. Most of the time, adding them together makes them work better than anyone alone. But after 30 years of working with magnetic fields and having purchased and used all sorts of equipment, I've come to the conclusion the best value for your dollar is going to be magnetic field therapy. So if you're going to start anywhere, that's mm -hmm. the best place to start. It sounds very good to me. I'm wondering if we can use it as a way to prevent. I don't know if you're willing to reveal this. <laughs> uh, your age. Oh, 43. Okay, so you need it. All right, so let me explain. Between about, we stopped growing at age 25, approximately. So between 25 and 40, we're basically in balance between breakdown and repair. Up to age 25, we're growing faster than we're breaking down. But after we stop growing, we basically start going downhill. The question is whether that curve is really fast, that slope is really fast, or the slope is very gentle. If you're a professional athlete, if you play for a professional football team, you're probably going downhill real fast. So you need a lot more work to maintain your health. So even we can never stand still. There's no such thing as standing still. Once you stop growing, you start decaying, start breaking down. And that's called entropy. Chaos and entropy. So entropy basically is the fact that you don't have enough energy to keep up with the loss of function or the loss of uh, the ability of those cells to work. That means that's the answer to your question. The answer is we all need, after, certainly after age 40, probably better to start earlier, but certainly after age 40, we all need help to level out that curve of aging. There's another thing that I heard, I think I spoke to somebody else who mentioned the land, the earth itself, that that has a lot of um, an electromagnetic field. So 
if we just walk barefoot on the land, sand, this is a way also to uh, create this kind of stimulation for the body. Does it make sense to you? Yes, to a point. So the question again, is there enough energy being produced by doing that to keep up with the problems that are going on in the body? Right? So if you're optimal already in every single way, and you do a lot of meditation, that would do like a sloth. <laughs> you slow down to become really slow in the way things go, or a turtle, you can live a very, very long time. All right, but no, most people are yeah. going to need the extra help. Yeah. And so you, you, need, you need that extra energy. Now, see, walking is going to give you a little bit of energy. Earthing is going to give you a little bit of energy. Yeah, that's the word, earthing. It's better than living on the top floor of a high rise. You have no connection to the earth. Laying on the ground, on bare ground, is very healing, is healing to the body, but it only brings the body to a point, to a certain point, because only a little bit of energy. In many ways, it's like wearing a copper bracelet. So copper is like the minerals in the soil, right? You put, you put it on your wrist, and it helps arthritis. What is, how does it do that? Well, the copper metal ions interact with the perspiration in the, in the skin. And when they interact, you create what's called electrolysis. You create a, an electrical field. It's very tiny. It's imperceptible. But it's perceptible to the body. And so it stimulates healing processes in the body. So wearing a magnetic bracelet is like earthing in its own way. It's not active. It's passive. I'm very interested in all kinds of healing modalities, and this sounds so interesting to me. Well, again, there's a ton of information on the website, drpollock.com. Um, well, when you do the bio, I've written a book called Power Tools for Health. Yeah, right. How Magnetic Fields Help You. So that book talks about the, some of the questions that you're asking. What's the risk? What, how does it work? What kinds of conditions does it treat? What, what can you use it for? So all of us, as I said, can benefit from it. But if you get information, if you're asking questions like this, and those are good questions to ask, there are answers. And what happens, unfortunately, is a lot of what you read on the Internet is self-serving to the people who are selling a specific machine. So what we've done on drpollock.com, I have accumulated lots of different machines over the years because we were trying to solve different kinds of problems. Yeah. So in other words, you're more likely to find a machine that's going to work best for you rather than accepting a salesperson's say-so that this is the best for them. So get informed. So the machines you sell, they are from different manufacturers, different brands, okay, that you have tested, yeah. right? I have used every one of them myself. I use most of them. I uh, use a lot of them, actually, on an ongoing basis. Yeah. If you knew... You would die soon. Would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Probably I would. I, I, have, a, I, run, I have a medical practice. I have uh, a business, the magnetics business that, that we run as well. Would I do, put as much effort and time into running the business? Uh, I might not. I might do, spend a lot more time in meditation, um, a lot more time uh, studying spirituality. But uh, I have chosen a path, right? And I've made certain obligations. I've made certain commitments. And keeping commitments is part of love. It's also, you know, important too. If you, 
if you uh, you may want to feel like you could spend eight hours a day in meditation, but you've got two young children running around, well, what do you do? Mm, you know, yeah. as 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 the Buddhists say, what does a woods what what does a woodcutter do when he finds enlightenment? I <laughs> keep cutting. <laughs> yeah. The work doesn't stop. What are three things about life you know for sure as of today? Um, well, I, I was going to say, I think I'm alive. Um, I'm pretty certain that there is a single creator. And um, I'm pretty certain that what I want to keep doing is to enjoy life. Thank you so much for this conversation. And also, thank you for your wisdom. My pleasure. I appreciate you uh, inviting me to join your, your tribe, your community, and, uh, and share. Where can we find more information about you, your products, your book, uh, services, and future projects? Um, Dr. Pollock, D-R-P-A-W-L-U-K dot com. Dr. Pollock dot com. That's where you're going to find most of the information. We have a subscribe to the newsletter. You'll get updates. Uh, if you want to study magnetic field therapy in much more depth, then you get a copy of the book, Power Tools for Health. Um, and that's where I would suggest you start. That's, that's a lot right there. There's a huge amount of information on the website. Thank you so much again, Dr. William, and we'll talk soon. All right. I wish you all the best, Valeria. You too. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. William Pollack, please visit his website, drpollack.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.